We've Got Issues, Girl. We are a weekly podcast for women who are curious about politics. My name is Carrie. And my name is Skye. And we have a super interesting show today. So yeah, Ilana is going to join us on the podcast today. She is an education consultant. She's super smart. She's had a great career, but she just wrote this very interesting article for Chalkbeat online. And um, NPR liked it so much they called her for an interview. So I thought, oh, geez, I should have her on here too. So um, it's kind of like Sky and I have talked about this a lot on our podcast. I know we've talked a bit with Sheena even about it. Sheena Barnes, our favorite um, local school board member. And um, this position that I, it, predominantly women are in of a no win situation where do you send your kids back to school? And risk them, risk their health, or do you keep them home and then struggle to work from home and educate them? And um, who's to blame? Do we are is are the teachers at fault? Is it Trump's fault? All of these things, and it's just like what a disaster this school year has been for so many kids. And I just feel so yeah. bad for all these kids. I mean, obviously it's all Trump's fault, but obviously how do we fix is. it moving forward? Yeah. <laughs> I no, mean, really yeah, for real, and without doing any more damage to kids, yeah. right? Because I'm sure they're I, – I just don't even – I don't it's know tough, how man. people yeah. – I'm not a mom yet, and I don't even know how you could even do any That's of this. But I can't even concentrate right now because I'm being blinded by that oh, stone on that? your finger, what, girl. What's I that? If we didn't <laughs> talk about this last weekend, what? Do you I have know. some news for us? Wow, y'all. I got engaged. Yeah, finally. In real life. I know. I can't. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. We're gonna have a yeah, week we issues about it last week. I know you're so excited. I know. I'm already planning. I mean, me too. But I already know what I'm gonna wear. I <laughs> have your bachelorette party all planned out. I have Perfect. Like a few years now. <laughs> so congratulations, no, really- Sky. We're all so happy Thank for you. you. We're more Thank more you. happy for David. Um, he's a lucky guy one for sure. So we're perfect for each other. (laughs) I'm happy for you. And I love you. Thank you. All right. Well, let's get into this interview with Ilana. Um, Yeah. Welcome Ilana Siegel to the show. She is many things. She is a lawyer. She's a former teacher. She's a former lecturer at Columbia law school. She's also the former deputy secretary of education to New York. She's the mom. She has three kids who are the coolest kids in Brooklyn, where she lives. And she's also my sister-in-law. So we're really happy to have her on. She's also, to me, she's just a great role model and mentor too. She is a wonderful woman, but she is an expert on education. And that's why we asked her on the show today, because um, as Sky and I have said many times on this podcast, Man, this whole pandemic has really shown a light on a lot of systems that don't work in our country, and one of them being the education system. And it just feels like women cannot win this whole year, no matter what they what they're choosing um, for themselves or for their kids. So, Ilana, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you. So we, you recently wrote an article for Chalkbeat, and then you were also interviewed last weekend by NPR on the same subject. Um, you helped your, seventh, your niece, who's in seventh grade, 
yeah. with some kind of tutoring, like you sat in on her online school. How long did you sit with her? Um, I sat with her consistently for a month. Um, okay. Still working with her a little bit, but not quite as consistently. But for a month, I pretty much sat with her every day and did Zoom school. We, wow. you know, she would come over at eight eight thirty in the morning, and we would attend her classes together. And then I would coach her through her homework, and you know, send her home at the end of the day when everything was finished. What preempted that? Like, was she already having some? struggling in school or having some issues or what made you kind of step in and intervene? Yeah. So she, um, she had been struggling and, and she had actually been struggling, um, even when school was live. But Mm -hmm. I think that the pandemic for her, as for a lot of kids, it really sort of exposed, um, some of those challenges that those kids were going through in a in a different kind of a way. You couldn't you couldn't really hide from them. There was no sort of getting lost in the crowd when you're mm-hmm. at home by yourself. And mm-hmm. she has some she has some learning disabilities. Um and she wasn't getting any of the help that she normally gets. Mm-hmm. And so she was really having a a very hard time. So my, my sister and, and brother-in-law asked me if I, if I could help her. So that's, so that's kind of how it started. And then, you know, we didn't have an exact plan for what the help would look like, but once I saw what was happening for her, I realized what she needed was for me to really just be there sitting with her through it. Um, and as I, I sort of wrote about this, some aspects of this in the article, but, you know, for the first, I'd say half of the time that we were working together, you know, I was seeing a lot of the kind of struggles just repeat themselves over and over again. And then mm-hmm. we started to have some breakthroughs mm-hmm. and she started to shift, make, make some shifts in how she was learning. and she started to have some success and then that success. And I think this is something that's so important just for kids in general. And I think probably a lot of your listeners who are, who are moms, you know, see this in their everyday lives with their own children. When kids succeed, it, it begets more success. They start to feel better about themselves and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's very hard to volunteer that first time when you volunteer and you get great feedback, you want to volunteer again. Yeah. And that's what started happening for her. And she started, she started doing well and it made a real change for her in how she felt about school Mm -hmm. and how she felt about being there. But, you know, I think what I saw is just how hard it is to for a lot of kids, not for all kids, but for a lot of kids to attend school from their kitchen tables. Yeah. That's what I thought was so interesting to, to hear you talk about and then to read your words about your the experience that you had just seeing what every day was like for these students. And, you know, seventh grade, that stuff is starting to get hard and the work is starting to be really 
serious. And, and um, you talk about how those are really formative years. And, you know, I'm really curious what your thoughts are about how we make up for this lost time. Uh, I think that's really an important question. And I really have not heard, I think, enough of a conversation about making a plan for that. There's been a general acknowledgement that we have learning loss. And I think everybody sort of knows that. And everybody knows that COVID exposed um, existing gaps mm-hmm. and it created new ones. Uh, education gaps for, for kids across socioeconomic groups um, created new ones, you know, for lots of kids who are just not getting what they would normally be getting. But we are still very much in this conversation nationally and certainly locally here in New York City about how do we get back to the classroom live? We, mm-hmm. We're still very focused on working through how can we get back to the classroom live? And I, and I think that's really important because sure. that's how we're going to cut off the losses. You know, mm-hmm. we have to, we have to get back and put an end to the continuing hemorrhaging, but we have really, and, and I think you're seeing this across the country, not just in New York teachers have, have really lost a lot of faith in the system as well. You know, parents yeah. are struggling in, in New York city. We have the, the line out there is that we have live school and that we have in-person school in New York city. But the truth in the numbers is that on any given day, we have 7% of our kids in classrooms. So wow. it's, it's not significant. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're in person, so to speak, but many school districts, as you all know, are not. And in addition to that, um, you know, we have a school system in, in some of the school systems where you do have the choice to be live. Many families are choosing to keep their kids home. And, and some of that is about healthcare and uh, vulnerable people in their and their households, but some of it too is is about trust and what kind of relationships our families have with our schools. And I think the same is true of teachers. I think teachers are we're going to really need to work on rebuilding trust for the Mm -hmm. teachers. I think teachers have not, generally speaking, been treated very well in this Mm -hmm. whole. in this whole scenario. Um, I I know there have been different challenges across different districts, but generally speaking, I think teachers have gotten blamed for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And, and I think we've asked things of teachers that, that aren't appropriate. And even, even when I'm seeing sort of my own niece go through this Mm -hmm. with her teachers, a lot of what I was seeing is teachers who seem to have not gotten much help getting ready to shift their work to an online environment. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some schools and districts that I think did a good job with that. Um, some smaller districts and some 
independent schools and parochial schools that were able to more quickly shift resources to let's get ready to go online. We've seen, you know, universities and colleges put resources into that. At, at, in New York City, that was not a focus. Uh, and teachers just weren't given a lot of help, resources or tools to do any of that. So it's been really challenging. You know, we have a significant number of kids in New York City who don't even have reliable internet service. Yeah. So what are, what are, how are teachers supposed to work in that environment? It's really, really challenging. Right. That was, that is, has been a big struggle here in Ohio too. We've been um, pretty much all virtual here in Ohio. Um, Some of the private schools have chosen to go in person. They even filed a lawsuit so they could go in person, but um, it seems like the biggest struggle has been to then the school, then that's on the school board to get all these kids laptops or iPads or something. So they can have a device. And then after they got all the kids devices, they're like, Oh no, now we, none of these kids have Wi-Fi in their homes. Yes. So, um, there's, they been were a- sending school buses to different neighborhoods with hotspots. Yeah. I mean, and there was a just- picture online, um, when the weather was a little warmer of two kids sitting in a parking lot of a Taco Bell so they mm-hmm. could use the Wi-Fi from the Taco Bell and do their assignments on their laptop. It's just, I think you're right. I think, um, but it, it's so hard because then everybody wants their kids back in school and then they blame the teachers for not wanting to go to school when the teachers don't want to go to school and get sick because right. they have to stay home because their own kids are home too. Um, it just seems like a situation where no one wins. Everyone, everyone's losing in particular women because um, yes. most teachers are women and most well, mothers are women, obviously, but it's, so it's just, it's, I don't, I don't know if there is a right answer to any of this. Um, do you think there's a right answer to any of this? Like what, I guess the only thoughts I can think of is maybe like a gap year for all the kids. You can't, you can't hold them back. I mean, some of them will probably shouldn't be advancing to the next grade level because of, they don't have that knowledge. Yeah. Right. But then you can't blame the, you can't hold the kid back for something that was out of their control. It just, it's, I don't know if anybody has any, the answers or if Ilana can shed some light on some of this. I don't, I don't know um, what the answer is, but I think we need to make sure we're asking all the right questions right now and covering our bases. You know, I think that uh, it is true that many of the teachers, just to start with that point that you were making, many of the teachers do have their own kids Mm -hmm. and many of them are managing uh, their own kids while they're trying to teach class. I, you know, I have a friend who's, who's trying to teach at one table in her house and she's got two other kids. She's trying to supervise for them to go to school in a different classroom. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's also all the childcare issues of of teachers, you know, when they do go in, if they do go in and they're not on the same schedule as their children who are not going in or are going in and it doesn't match up and they don't have childcare, it's, it's been very challenging all around. I think we have to seriously look at the loss, uh, to assess what sorts of steps we need to take. There are some experts who are saying, they, we always have a huge number of kids who are behind. 
So when we go back and we have these kids who are going to be behind, maybe more behind, it's nothing new. And so what we need to do is make sure that our school communities are being set up to really address the needs of diverse learners. And, you know, that we need to be building school cultures that can really accommodate diverse learners, that can have individuated instruction, um, that our teachers are getting the support and training and tools that they need to be able to work with learners who have lots and lots of different needs. I hope that this moment will mark a time when we actually start looking at teachers as professionals, treating them as such, paying them Mm -hmm. as professionals, and really providing them with the training, I think, and tools that they need to do their jobs well. Uh, I think there's a possible silver lining here, which is that, you know, once all these parents had their kids at home, they realized how much they needed their teachers. Um, And I, I hope I hope we do something with that. You know, this has just been a colossal failure of public policy for the children in this country. Yeah. And we're going to have to we're going to have to make sure that they don't just keep advancing without the foundational skills that they need. Yeah. It was powerful to hear your um uh in the article, you say that you think that we should fund one-on-one tutoring for the next, you know, whatever it is, however long they need it, um, as part of a federal plan for this. Um, that is, I think, so powerful. I Every Wednesday when the kids were not in school, I would watch my boyfriend's, well, now fiancés, um, <laughs> uh his nephew every Wednesday and it was like he sees me as just like the fun house to come over and have fun with us but we had to really buckle down and do the school and it wasn't always on the computer sometimes it was you know in a in a booklet or you know a little science kit that they would send home but that kind of interaction live interaction was obviously so important for his learning and he Um, was he's six right Six. Yeah. Now seven. But I mean, like, I can't imagine what it's like for kids who have to do like physics at home by themselves. I just can't even. But even the six year old Sky, I mean, you have to. I mean, I hope your boss isn't listening, but you you were working from home that day. But like, how much work were you actually able to get done? Six year old that you have to like help with his Zoom and make sure he's like, you can't work from home and do that. Like, yeah, I, I mean, it's constant attention. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. a lot of work. But back to the one-on-one tutoring, yes. that brings up a good question too, because I mean, your sister and your niece were in a very good position to be in because you, you know, I'm sure they're so thankful for your help. Not everyone has an Ilana Siegel in their family that is a education professional that could, you know, sit with them. So often they're probably getting maybe a teenager or um, any grandma or whoever they can help sit with these kids. So um, I think the idea of one-on-one tutoring would be, would be fantastic, but that can't be, 
you're not thinking like teachers do that. You're thinking more like we hire, like this is another profession that you could go into. Well, the, uh, I referenced in the piece in the chalkbeat piece, I referenced the Brown study that was done that estimated the cost of this, at the cost is estimated at 50 billion if you did all K through 12, but if you focus on K through eight level and you focus on schools in low income districts, you would end up with a cost more like five to 15 billion. Mm -hmm. And that plan contemplates using a variety of different sources. It contemplates using high school students to tutor younger children. Uh, contemplates using college students to tutor high school students. Of course, teachers could be involved. And uh, the hope would be that teachers would be supervising that. And, you know, I would love to see that become an extension of what a teacher might be able to do if she wanted to, to be someone who trains and supervises people who are providing small group or one-on-one attention for children. I mm-hmm. think that um, I, I, the, the Brown study is, um, let, let me say that again. <laughs> the Brown study is suggesting that we build in this idea of individual attention. And it doesn't have to be one tutor, one mm-hmm. student. It could be in small groups, up to, up to groups of four. It's been found to be effective. Uh, obviously, the smaller the group is, the better. But the Brown study is suggesting that we really consider building this in over time. It's not something that's happened immediately uh, into our idea of what school is, that all kids would have some one-on-one time in their school day, that it wouldn't be extra time. It's not to sort of pile on more academic hours in a kid's day to make up for lost academic hours. That's a, that's a losing plan in my view, but to really have uh, the opportunity to have one-on-one attention for kids built into school schedules so that, Mm -hmm. you know, the high school kids would have a class where they come in to the middle school or into an elementary school for a certain period in the day. And they're working with kids in small groups. There, there are lots mm-hmm. of different ways of thinking about it. Um, but I think it's an idea worth funding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think, and I think now is a moment when if we don't come up with some way of trying to plug this hole, we're going to mm-hmm. have some significant problems down the line. You know, uh, I think Sky mentioned the importance of the the middle school skills that I talk about mm-hmm. yeah. in the article. You know, these are not skills that you can skip over, and mm-hmm. and we know this partly. Um, you know, it's partly common sense, but also, you know, you you often see kids who are in the beginning period of high school who get diagnosed with a learning challenge that nobody had noticed before. And sometimes that's because the skills that they needed to be successful in high school that they were supposed to learn in middle school, they didn't learn. 
And so they were able to sort of make it through the middle school level of work without where they were supposed to be acquiring the skills to the analytical skills, the organizational skills, the problem solving skills. But when those things really come into play is in high school. And Mm -hmm. if they missed them, then it's in high school where you start to see the problems crop up. And Mm -hmm. that's a real concern for, for all of these kids who at this point were about to come up on one year of mm-hmm. of being in this alternative learning setting right yeah. and it's the kind of thing that just snowballs the yeah. deeper you get into it i was just talking we we had um david's sister and brother-in-law over cuz we're in each other's you know bubbles um and we were talking about this is a whole nother podcast to a whole nother <laughs> conversation but the the way that people vi- so blindly support Trump, even still, I think is a, an exemplification of how we have failed in providing an education to our yeah. people. <laughs> like and certain critical just, thinking skills and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's it that's a very interesting um point that you make in in a lot of the litigation about uh, education and education funding, one of the linchpins of the argument is, are we preparing people to be citizens? Are we preparing people who can serve on a jury, who can function at a level where they can go to the voting booth and actually understand the referenda or the propositions that they're voting on and these are considered to be rights that you know in these in these lawsuits for example the new york the new york lawsuit on uh camp the campaign for fiscal equity lawsuit that uh required more funding for you know more equitable distribution and more and more actual funding for the public schools in the state you know the idea was we owe our children under the New York state constitution, we owe them an education. And what that means is that they can be functioning citizens. And Mm -hmm. so this idea that people are being pulled into conspiracy theories and all kinds Mm -hmm. of other um, misinformation and disinformation, partly because they haven't been educated in the way that people deserve to be educated. I, I think that's a, I think that's a real issue and a real problem. Yeah. It's so interesting. Absolutely. I feel like I say this every episode, but we should have you on again to talk more about <laughs> that issue. And just to talk about your career and your life in general, it's just so cool. Like the, your trajectory and your, the things you do, you're such a badass. So one, one last question. Was this colossal screw up of the education year, was this preventable somehow? Like if the Trump administration could have had some sort of federal policy, what could that have looked like? What could we have done to better support teachers? Like what was there anything that we could have done to help these students? 
Well, it's easy to look back and point out all of the problems. I think there was, I think one thing that happened and, you know, I think this is pretty normal. It happened to me as well. You know, when they first shut down the schools, we thought, oh, well, this is, this is for a couple of weeks, you know, mm -hmm. and, and every week you, you thought, oh, well, this is almost over. And so we didn't understand in the beginning what this time would look like. But once yeah. we did get a better understanding of that, and again, I don't want to speak for the whole country, but you know, I'm, I'm quite familiar with how things were handled here in New York. There was a lot of sort of leaving it to every, not even just to individual school districts or cities, but individual schools and principals yeah. who didn't have, they, they should have administrative expertise, but they don't necessarily know anything about the science and yeah. they don't necessarily have any experience with learning or applying science. And you were sort of leaving all of them to act individually, individual principals across schools in, a, in the biggest school system in the country, trying to make their own determinations about what the health guidance means, what it can mean for them, how does it fit in with sort of more general edicts from the city level. I think a lot more organization up front, I think a lot more federal guidance up front could have been extremely helpful and could have altered the course of things in how they worked out in not just in education, but across the board. The pandemic, you know, yeah. the, you know, the yeah. failure of leadership from the federal level created so many holes, um, yeah. you know, and, and I think the consequences of that have been extraordinary and, and also have led to a lot of the mistrust and the anger mm -hmm. and the feeling that the government is not doing its job. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we're in a new era for that now. And I think we are, but I also think a lot of damage was, was done. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Not just the 500,000 deaths either, like a lot of unemployment issues and mm -hmm. housing yeah. issues, yeah. food insecurities. It's been um, yeah. just catastrophic. So, and you know, how many teachers will we lose because this was, you know, this has been such a, difficult, difficult time for educators. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I worry that some of the teachers with the most experience who, whom we really need to help us get through this next piece are going to have been too exhausted by yeah. the way they've been treated and the tools and support that they haven't been given. And, you know, I, I, I think we have a lot of challenges still ahead. Right. And I, this, I mean, this is going to go into an entirely different topic too, but teachers are traditionally underpaid for their skill set. I mean, a lot of them have master's degrees and are not making that much money. I know even locally here, I think it's pretty common to start out at like $15 an hour. And there's that magic number that we keep talking about raising the minimum wage to. It's like, 
why would you be a teacher if once minimum wage gets raised to $15? Like, why would you be a teacher if you could just go somewhere else and not have this headache of, you know, all of this stuff? So I think this conversation of raising minimum wage, we've got to start thinking about teachers too, because they have long deserved raises and um, haven't haven't gotten them and man if we don't give them after this year like i yeah. i wouldn't trust yeah. that we would ever give them raises right like i just i yeah i i think there was a point in the pandemic that everybody realized how much they relied on the people who work in grocery stores and yeah. i'm not sure how that will play out economically for mm-hmm. those frontline workers who have really deserved more respect and and more money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think teachers also that I think, uh, I think, I think we've got to recognize how much we've needed teachers and how much this isn't something that even with your own kid, you can just right. figure out oh, that yeah. teachers have a real expertise. They need to be supported to deliver and they need to be paid. Yeah. So how do you, how can our listeners get involved in this work in this movement? Well, guess what? I know one way sky and I um, looked up this after um, I listened to Ilana's NPR interview last week. Cause the whole family listened to it. We we're all excited about it. We had <laughs> a group chat and we we're all listening to it, but um I know locally the United Way here in the um, greater Toledo area has opportunities for people to sign up to be virtual tutors for kids. So I've signed up. We can share the link in our um, show notes and then we can also try to find more links for, um, you know, if you don't have kids or if your kids are in school or um, whatever, if you're just interested in helping out, I've signed up. So hopefully um, they contact me soon because I think that's another good way just to kind of get involved and help, um, mm-hmm. out. I know sky, you used to read to kids at the, um, oh, church Catholic right? club. Yeah, yeah. I loved that. Yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know if this makes any sense and maybe we should ask a teacher who's in a teacher's union, but maybe just reaching out to your local school board or teacher's union to see what they suggest. Yeah. How to help out locally and help with the kids too. So, um, United Way is our resource here. Um, there's even ways that you can help volunteer and pass out lunches to um, mm-hmm. kids. But I think um, one thing, though, for Ohio, I think everybody's going back in person mm-hmm. Monday, tomorrow, today, Monday. Yeah, so, I think, it, yeah, it's been a hybrid. And now yeah. they'll be back in person. Almost yeah, everywhere. I but think. I imagine that there's still going to be a lot of kids struggling to catch up even when mm-hmm. they are back in person. So, yeah. Also for for families. Um, who are your listeners who have older kids, you know, there's much more limited access to extracurricular activities, sports and, and theater and dance and music is, is really on hold for so many kids that they might have uh, unexpected extra time to be working with younger kids in the community who could use some individual attention. Yeah. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Awesome. This has been so awesome. I yeah. learned so much. Thank it's very you. timely too, because I feel like we talk about this on every podcast about yeah. the struggle, <laughs> the struggle yeah. that so many of our listeners have had with 
what are we doing? How are we, how are we supposed to do all of these things? How are we supposed to do all, all of it? So, um, thank you. It's not realistic. That's Mm -mm. yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think we've all, I think we're all just ready for the vaccines and ready for it to be over with. Cause I know I am, I can't wait to get the vaccine. Well, thank you, Ilana. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, you so much. It was really fun to talk to both of you and you. your listeners are lucky to have this great show. Thanks. Oh, thanks. Thank you for joining us today, everybody. Thank you to Ilana for your expertise on our screwed up education system. We will be back next Monday for a brand new episode of We've Got Issues Girl. This has been a Girls Gross Media production and our music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Until next Monday, you have some other shows you can listen to. So don't forget to listen to Edible Encounters tomorrow. Wednesday is Glow Girl and Thursday is Girls Girls. Also, please don't forget to like, rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And we will see you next week, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.